Well, good morning. And uh, welcome, welcome again. I, I don't know, I was watching the offering being taken. I assume it went through everybody. And if you didn't get a chance to do that, uh, you can do that on, the, on your way out. These past several weeks, uh, we've been talking about connecting the dots for a better life in a real world. Connecting the dots. And the different dots, well, what we mean by that is areas of your life. And is God involved in every area of your life? Are you seeking God's direction for your family, for your children? Pastor Ed preached about that last week on Mother's Day. Are you asking God in his direction for your relationship with your spouse, perhaps even with a person that you're dating? And today we're going to take it a little bit further. Are we asking God's direction even with our money? Now, this morning, we're going to get a little personal, and you think, oh, my goodness, I'm a guest at this church today, and they're talking about money. Yes, we are, because everything's a gift from God. So let's get personal right away, and I'll just go out and go right to it. So how are you using your money? What money, Pastor Kurt? Yeah. But really, how am I using my resources, my finances, too? Every time you get to preach a message, you get preached at first, so don't worry. But really, how are you using your Money. Are, are you using it to just kind of buy more stuff? It's fun to buy stuff, right? Are, are you using that money, good or bad? Are, are you using that money to bless other people? And how, what would God say about how you're using your money? Really? How are you using your money? Because I think it's pretty critical. In fact, we're going to be looking at the book of Luke today. And in fact, every seventh verse, if you go and count, at least that's the, that's the average, talks about money. So I think God wants to share something about with us today about our finances and how we should involve him even in the use of our money and using it very well. Uh, I've invited a guest to begin our message uh, this morning. And, and uh, if you would welcome Roland Bellafoy. Roland, come on up. Come on up. How you doing, buddy? Thanks, thanks for coming up and beginning the message for us this morning. And, and Roland, like we say, he's been there. And uh, Roland uh, doesn't cut any, any punches there. He just kind of lays it down as it is, all right? God bless you, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, relax. I'm not, don't do this all the time. Um, those of you that don't know me, I'm Roland Balafay. I've been here worshiping for probably about seven, eight, or nine years, somewhere in there, and uh, gotten pretty involved here at the church, and Pastor Kurt asked me to talk to you all about finances. So I started thinking to myself, hmm, finances, me, what am I going to have to do to be credible to you? What am I going to have to do to look like the person that you would expect to be standing up here talking to you about your money. I better look successful, right? <laughs> well, this is your money that we're talking about, not mine. Have you ever heard of the word paradigm shift? A paradigm shift, that's a change in the way we perceive things or how we view them. Or how about another term, myth? I like to call them financial myths. Here's a good one. You're always going to have a car payment. Financial myth. Hang on a sec. 
Hey, keep your clothes on there, buddy. This is what I look like. This is what you're used to seeing around Messiah, not that. Okay, here we go. I'm here to tell you that things are a-changing, and it doesn't matter how I dress or how I look when I talk to you all about your money. What really counts is that I have the heart of a teacher. And I have to have that heart of a teacher when I'm talking to you about money. I can't have any hidden agendas. I can't have ulterior motives when I'm talking to you all about your money. That doesn't work. That just doesn't fly. I don't get paid for my financial services. I have no ulterior motives other than God wants me to teach you about finances his way. I have the heart of a teacher, and I have a saying, if things are not personal in your life, why are you doing them? Why are you doing them? Start making them personal. I don't have any hidden agendas here, and I'm, I'm just a regular guy. I'm just like all of you, okay? And, I, and what I want to do is I want you to sit back and relax for a second. I want you to give me your undivided attention, and I want to share my story with you all. I know some of you are thinking, you know, my finances are just fine. We're all set. Why do I need to hear this? If your finances are good and you're in good standing with them, well, you know what? God bless you. But don't forget that you have an obligation to share what you know that got you in those good standings and got you to that strength and spot where you're at today, and you have to share that with others. And you, and you know what? If you don't have your finances in order and you're not that person, I know how you feel. I really, really do. But I'm full of good news today for you. So here's my story. Lynn and I, we, Lynn's my wife, Lynn and I, we were really good at spending all of the money that we earned, month after month, year after year. During the first 10 to 15 years of our marriage, um, we were making pretty good money. We were both college educated, and we were living the American dream. You guys always hear me, people say, how you doing, Roland? Say, living the dream, baby. Well, this was my American dream. Every penny that came into our house it went right back out. Where'd it go? I don't know. You know, we really didn't know. We had bills just like the rest of you. Um, we had uh, mortgage, electricity, car payments. Did you catch that one? Payments, plural. Um, food, water, gas, the everyday stuff. The kids were growing during this period, and we had four of them. And uh, we weren't rich, so some of the clothes came from resale shops, garage sales, things like that. We did, however, quietly have a real fear of debt during this period. And we only used a credit card when we had an emergency. An emergency, a lot of times in our house, was a car would break down. We had no way to pay for it because we didn't have an emergency fund to cover emergencies. So here we are. We're living the dream, kind of just getting by. We're what I would call debit card spenders. Money came in, Money went right back out, and most of it flowed through our debit card. Man, we were spending money during this time like it was water. Has that ever happened to you? Luckily, during this time, we were young, healthy, 
and we didn't have any real emergencies that cost us a lot of money. Usually once or twice, once or twice a month, we had to be responsible for what we had spent. What this meant was I had to get my wallet out, Lynn had to open up her purse, we had to take all of our credit card receipts, enter them into the checkbook, and see if there was enough money left over to pay the bills. Um, reconciling the checkbook, however, during these periods was really, really easy, because we didn't reconcile it. We got really lucky, because the worst thing that ever happened to us is that we'd bounce a lot of checks, we get charged a lot of fees for bouncing those checks that we really couldn't afford, but that wasn't even the worst of it. The real fun at our house was Christmas. You know, when we had to go out and buy, you know, spend tons of money on relatives and get them stuff that they really didn't need or want anyways, boy, this added so much fun at the, you know, in Christmas spirit to our house because, you know, Christmas is all about stuff, right? has nothing to do with the birth of baby Jesus, and we know that that's true because all you got to do is turn your TV set on, watch the commercials. They're all about stuff and not about the true meaning of Christmas. Well, let me tell you what, we had some huge money fights at our house during this period. During this time, we only involved God in, thing, you know, in our lives when things went wrong. And we used to have this prayer, and it kind of went like this. Oh, Jesus, 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 help us, Jesus, Jesus. If you get us through this financial crisis this time, Jesus, we promise we won't do that again. Now, I don't know if you all ever did that. That's just how it worked at my house. Um, don't you just love my American dream? You know, we had all kinds of stuff, and if we wanted it, we went out and got it because we were working hard, and guess what? We deserved it. You know what we've become in America? We've become, we're, we don't buy things anymore. We're, this is our mentality. It's how much and for how many months. And, and we have a saying. The saying goes like this. Children do what feels good. And adults have a written plan, and they stick to it. Hmm, that's interesting. I think God has an even better saying. His is the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is always servant to the lender. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Well, you know, God is faithful. He's loving. He's trustworthy, and he will not forsake you. He loves you with all of his heart. Why would he ever want to see bad things happen to us? He wouldn't. He is love. He has been helping us and sharing with all of us for a long, long time. He wants us all to be good stewards of the things that he has given to us. Now notice that I said given to us. You know, not that we earned it. He has given us these gifts. Then why are we not turning to God and listening to him for advice with our finances. Well, here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen. And the good news is this. Starting this fall, our goal at Messiah is to reach out to all of you with the heart of a teacher and to help you with your finances. Our goal is to get as many of you that are interested out of those seats, up off your butts, and into a session here at Messiah to learn how to become debt-free. Our goal is to get you all and as many of you debt-free as we can. We're going to do this with one-on-one -on -one counseling. We're going to do this with a five-week session and the nuts and bolts of how to get your finances in order. And then we're going to have an, a class that goes beyond all of that. That's one I've been teaching here for two to three years, which will collectively teach you to run your home, which I call your You Incorporated, like a business. 
You know, this is a huge step for all of us to get our finances in order. It's scary. I know how you feel. You have to begin somewhere. I would like to see all of you there this fall doing something with that. Don't forget that Jesus loves you, and so do I. Oh, yeah, I almost forgot. You know, if you do this right, you could be the one standing up here and doing this. Nice job, nice job, good job. Now, one thing about Roland, he just kind of lays it on the line, right? Uh, Say what you mean and and say it uh, loud and clear. And and the cool thing is, he is debt free. Because the reason that is, is because he decided to manage his finances God's way. And and that's kind of where we want to take you for the rest of this message this morning, is we need to turn to God, don't we? about how to manage those resources and manage them well so that they're not only a blessing to us and our family, but also to others. So turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 16. Luke 16 is where we're going to look this morning. Luke chapter 16. And what you're turning to is a very interesting parable that Jesus told. Perhaps one of the most hard parables to understand. And let me give you a little context as you turn to Luke chapter 16. I wish I had the page for you, but I don't. I think you'll be able to find it in your pew Bible. Is this, just prior to this parable, Jesus told another parable. He told the parable about a young man who went ahead and asked for his father's inheritance. Remember this parable, the parable of the lost son? In fact, he took that inheritance and he spent and wasted it all. In fact, he hired himself out to work with pigs. In fact, he wanted to eat the pig's food. That's how low that man dropped in wasting his father's resources. And if you remember how the story goes, though, the the father's not upset with him. He's ready to welcome his son back. In fact, he welcomes the son back, right? My son who is dead is alive again. He's lost and he's found. We remember the the older brother, right? He's not happy with that younger brother and the reception that he got. So this is where we start. Jesus then tells another parable, and it's the parable for today, the parable of the shrewd manager. Before this, Jesus was speaking to a lot of people. He was speaking to Pharisees, teachers of the law, uh, tax collectors, and they're still all gathered there. But now specifically, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Jesus is speaking to you and me. And so it reads like this. Turn with me, Luke chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Essentially said, in the words of Donald Trump, you're fired. And so he goes on and the manager said to himself, he's got about two weeks. Right? This, this isn't like a normal firing. Sometimes a firing right is, you're out of there, right? Give me your keys. We'll escort you to the door. We'll give you a few minutes to put your stuff in that brown box, and you're gone. Right? But this man has a little bit of time in the telling of Jesus' story. And so we continue then in verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm not ashamed to beg. This was a white-collar guy who had managed all of his master's resources. Whether it was the land, whether it was the money, he was in charge of it all, 
but he decides, what should I do now? He analyzes the situation, and boy, does he come up with an idea. There in verse 4, he says, I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. And so here's the scheme, verse 5. So he called each, in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. Manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. My goodness, he slashed his debt by 50%. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told them, take your bill and make it 800, a 20% reduction. Now, if you're these guys here, you're thinking, he's my friend, right? He cut all my debt. And if you've had people cut your debt, you're thankful to them, right? Well, that's what this man had in mind. He was thinking about his future. Quite a scheming man there. Smart too, huh? And then it goes a little bit further. And it's amazing the response that Jesus tells in this story. In fact, it would seem like Jesus would never say anything like this. But he does for a reason. Verse 8. And so the story goes on. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. No, he wasn't saying, well done, good and faithful servant, because you know what this guy was doing here? Stealing, right? It wasn't under his authority to make these deals. He went ahead and perhaps he was already charging too much, and this discount wasn't a discount, but his manager saw him and how shrewd it was, and it doesn't say he approved. It says he commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. What in the world? Perhaps this is one of the hardest parables to understand. What is he saying? And then verse 9, boy, I have a hard time understanding this one. Perhaps you do as well. It says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Huh? So that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal blessings. Could Jesus actually be saying you can buy your way into heaven? That you should help out other people so that when you go to heaven, you'll be blessed too? Maybe yes. This is a hard one to understand. But usually if you don't understand something in the Bible, what do you do? You turn to other parts of the Bible, don't you? Perhaps we should read a little bit further down. And so we continue to read in verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 14, the Pharisees who love money, and this is where the clue is, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valid among men is detestable in God's sight. We take a look at this parable, there are a few things to notice. And when you look at a parable of Jesus, by the way, a, a parable being a story about something that might happen in everyday life, there's usually people in that parable who represent those who are the parables being told to. The manager in this parable is you and I. And indeed, God's challenging us today, as Roland was challenging us, to indeed manage our resources God's way. And if you don't manage it God's way, you'll notice your resources, your money manage you, don't they? Right? 
So that's us, right? We're the manager. And the first question that I asked you several minutes ago as we began the message is, how are you using your money? Are you using it well? Are you asking for God's direction? This man was not doing it God's way. It says that he was wasting his master's possession. And who's the master? God's the master. By, just by taking a look at that, dear friends, we can notice one thing. You know the money and all the stuff we have? Let me ask you, whose is it? No, it's not yours. It's God's. And you and I are just stewards. Turn with me to Psalm 50, verse 10, if you would. Indeed, it's one first point for us to acknowledge and be thankful to God for. Psalm 50, verse 10. Perhaps familiar to you, maybe you've heard this before. But indeed identifies, indeed we're seeking God's direction for our finances. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 50, verse 10, in the words of David. Verse 10 says, For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the creatures of the field are mine. And if I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and all that is in it. What does that mean? Everything. Everything is an amazing gift from God. From this beautiful church, to the clothes you're wearing, to the breakfast you had this morning, to all the animals outside. It's an amazing gift from God. And if we don't understand that, well then we're going to try to manage our money our way, not God's way. In fact, the first question I asked this morning was wrong. I asked you, how are you managing your money? It's not your money. It's God's money. And then the question comes right there. What kind of steward are you of God's money? Turn with me to Genesis, way back to the very beginning. And yes, we're going to take a, just a quick journey to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2. Way back in the beginning of creation, God made this clear to his creation, and perhaps he needs us to remember that. Genesis 2 verse 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And if we look at other passages as well, God created everything and he put man to rule over the garden, right? To take care of, to be a good steward of it. From the very beginning, everything is God's and he gave it to man, he gave it to us, but we're supposed to take care of it. The manager in our story for this morning was supposed to take good care of his master's resources, did he? No, it says he didn't. In fact, if we look back at the very beginning of the text there, it seems that there were rumors going around and he was being accused of wasting the money. And whether he was taking his master's money and what just wasn't a good manager, or, or whether he was kind of taking the expense account and using it for his own means, or whether he was taking that money and using it to build a house that was supposed to be used for other things, he was misusing the money. Now, dear friends, maybe we're not using the resources that God's given us. Perhaps we're being challenged, though, to do it better and to do it God's way. So questions for you. So when you went shopping yesterday, did you ask God about that before you bought that new car? When you went and purchased that new purse or dress, when you got that lawnmower, did you ask God about it first? The man in, in, in our teaching for this morning obviously went ahead and he was doing things on his own. He forgot that God is the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he forgot that he's just the manager. We're just the managers. How are you managing it? And is God a part of that 
management? And does God want to use you and your resources to bless others? You know, the confusing part of this parable that I pointed out to you earlier is indeed verse 8. Take a look at it again, Luke 16, verse 8. It says, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? He commended him for stealing, for taking his stuff? No. But he commended him for his tenacity, right? For his sticking in there, for his having a plan. And the plan, as we read a moment ago, was indeed to slash the debt of other people. So what? So that when he lost his job, he'd have something. He'd have a place to live, right? I said, right. I've been noticing I say that word a lot, don't I? And he went ahead to provide for himself. Oftentimes, we're looking to provide for just tomorrow. I think Jesus, God's saying, is what about eternity? And what about the eternity of others? No, Jesus isn't honoring the man for being dishonest, but he's really looking at his sticking in there, making it happen to be advantage. But we are seeking today to do it to not to our advantage, but to God's advantage. And yes, our money is for our families and for our friends, but even beyond that, to do God's work. The most challenging verse that you take there, and by the way, the word shrewd means wise, clever. Are we being wise and clever? And there's much to be learned from those who are in the business world, and many of you are in the business world. There's something to be said there about that about being intentional in the use of your money, and mostly today speaking about God and his involvement. The Pharisees were interested in stuff and about their possessions. And in verse 9, as we take a look there, it says, I tell you, use worldly wealth, how? To gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What's he saying there? He's saying this. No, you can't buy your way into heaven. And no, you shouldn't just give stuff to other people so that they'll welcome you one day into heaven. But he's saying be more concerned about the treasures in heaven. Be more concerned about other people and the use of your money. Take a look with me at Matthew chapter 6, if you will. Perhaps this will make it a little bit clearer for us all this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Maybe some familiar verses to all of you. Verse 19 reads like this, Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is the owner of everything, your stuff, my stuff. He's encouraging, challenging us to be great stewards, not just good stewards. But even beyond that, as we look at our parable for this morning, he's inviting us to be shrewd in the way we use it, to really plan it out and to do everything we can in our power so that it honors God and honors other people and helps other people. Perhaps that might start by tithing. Many of you, I'm sure, tithe already. And the book of Malachi talks about that. Tithing meaning giving a tenth of your gross, not your net. Gross of your check. And starting out, that's the very first thing. How do you honor God? By giving back to God first. Because what? Whose is it? Yeah, it's God's. And allowing him to make use of our resources. 
God's really got some challenges for us, even in a tough economy in America today. I think it's been too long since we've been trying to self-gratify ourselves and saying, I want it, so I'm going to buy it. I'll use two credit cards, three credit cards, five credit cards, whatever it is, so that I can be satisfied. But dear friend, we've said this many times, it's not about you. You know that money you have in your pocket? It's about Jesus. About storing up your treasure in heaven. Messiah Lutheran's church mission is what? Reaching one more life with Jesus. Say it with me. Reaching one more life with Jesus. And we're to use our money to do that. This man in the parable used his money. He was thinking, right? He was intentional. He was trying to do it his own way, but God's inviting us to be intentional and do it his way. Roland shared with us earlier that we do have a challenge to all of you, and that is that every single person that walks in these doors would be debt-free in the next five years. Debt-free, except for your mortgage. That Messiah Lutheran Church itself and the debt that we have, that we would no longer exist after five years. And all the resources that we're using to put into our debt right now would be used to reach one more life with Jesus. God gave us all this stuff so that one more person could be in heaven. That's why you have it. Whether that's your children or family or friends or people you don't even know. Perhaps God's challenging you in a big way if you've got resources that are sitting there. And maybe you don't have that many resources, but we're still supposed to manage that well, aren't we? To store up our treasures in heaven. And here's the good news. You don't have to do that yourself. Now, I'm preaching this message this morning, and about two weeks ago, I made perhaps one of the worst financial decisions of my life. <laughs> and you see it in an arm sling. Didn't think it was financial when I was doing it. Indeed, two weeks ago, it was confirmation, and uh, the relatives are coming to the house, right? And so we had some painting done in our house. We were blessed to be able to have it painted. And we put some new carpeting, focusing on stuff, right? And the room looked beautiful, but you got to move furniture out of the room into other rooms so that you can paint. So we put some of the stuff into the kitchen, some of it into the bedroom. And we all moved that stuff together, right, uh, into those rooms, but then the grandparents are coming, and I'm going, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to be like this guy right here. I'm going to make it happen all on my own. Uh, I learned a lesson. It's pretty foolish to move a whole room of furniture by yourself. Yeah, it is. You can, you can push a couch, right? You can push it. They're not that cumbersome, but there it was, a hutch, filled with 200 pounds of books, recipe books, whatnot. Uh, and I went ahead and thought, I can do this, right? I'm young, right? I can handle this. I I'm smart, yeah, right. And I pulled it, and I pulled it, and I pulled it, and it, everything was nice. I was concerned about the stuff. What really mattered is to welcome those grandparents coming from that confirmation. And in the course, Tuesday, I'll be having rotator cuff surgery. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I was playing football or my wife twisted my arm, but that wouldn't work with you. Would it? We're all not perfect here, okay? In fact, none of us are. And we're going to make mistakes with our finances. But that means, doesn't mean you can't change today and to do things God's way today. You know, I was asking a friend who's actually sitting right over here, what do you do when you want your furniture moved? Oh, I call my brother. 
I should have called my brother. In fact, I've got a group of five brothers, a faithful five, who could have come right over and helped me out. You may be struggling with your finances today, or maybe you're not. And, but you might have something to share with others. You don't, the good news is you don't have to do this by yourself. The Bible says, carry each other's burdens that you may fulfill the law of Christ. God is the owner of all things. It's not yours. God's asking you to manage it well. Why? So that you can bless your family and reach one more life that they might know Jesus as well. And indeed, they might welcome you into heaven because you made a difference in their lives. How are you using your finances? Are you using the glorify God? All those who are ready to do it God's way say, Amen. Amen.